I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, and the conclusion of The Runner by Christopher Morris. In parts one and two of The Runner, Jakob, a volunteer for the Jewish organization Zaka, is dealing with the aftermath of saving an Arab girl who's accused of killing an Israeli soldier in an act of terrorism. He's called into the head of Zaka and told that they will no longer save terrorists before victims and that he should take time off and seek therapy. This is the conclusion of The Runner by Christopher Morris. So I drove to my brother's house in the settlement and that was a bad idea. When my brother opened the door, all he said was, why didn't you tell me you were coming? Not, how are you? Long time no see. And then he brings me around to the back of his house, not through the front door, but to the back, into his office, where he hustles his customers, not into his home. His place was freezing. Why don't you turn on the heat, I ask him. I pay for my electricity, Ari said. I work for a living. Not like you and the other 25% of the population that don't pay taxes. Praying doesn't turn the heat on. And he checks his cell phone and says, come on. He takes me outside into his driveway and standing beside Ari's car is this chubby Korean evangelical with manicured hands folded over his Bible, wearing pressed cocky pants, his short-sleeved golf shirt buttoned right up tight to his throat, a gray brush cut, a polished, repressed 60-year-old man-child. Long time no see, said the evangelical, hugging my brother. And he squeezes my arm. Ari is a very special person. He loves Bible. He is good man. Are you good man? Ari pops open the trunk of his car like a drug dealer, and it's overflowing with all the videos he makes about the historical religious significance of quote-unquote Samaria, where he lives, and how is the geographical setting for the coming apocalypse. The Korean doomsday rifles through the pile of movies like a kid in a candy store, then holds one up. The fire is coming. Will you be ready? Great title, Ari. I'm ready. Then he slapped me on the back and said, Are you ready? And laughed and bought 12 of them, muttering, Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. And we went driving on the settlement because the Christian apocalypse wanted fish and chips and was going on and on about the fire and the impending war that was coming. And I'm rolling my eyes and my brother's giving me dirty looks in the rearview mirror and Ramallah's on the other side of the settlement security fence towering over us. And I say, I couldn't help it. I said, how can you live so close to the Mare, to the people you hate? So he takes a sudden sharp turn, speeds recklessly down the street and says, 
I want to show you something, Yakov. Then the three of us are standing at the visitor's lookout for Jacob's Rock, where Jacob supposedly laid his head to rest and dreamt he saw a ladder in the sky with God at the top and angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth, when God supposedly told Jacob that as far as he could see from the north to the south to the east to the west was the land of the Jewish people, and he promised that he'd bring us back to the land, this land, to Israel. And I look around and I think, this? He gave the Jews this place? Cold, miserable, rocky hills, no oil, no resources. This. And Ari said, 3,500 years ago, we were expelled from here by force. And after 3,500 years, within the framework of the most just and moral process that has ever occurred in the world, we've returned home. I am living the dream that our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our ancestors could only have dreamt of. We are the lucky generation, and I embrace my role in the historical drama that I am a part of, and I feel lucky to be rebuilding the Jewish people in our ancestral homeland. And there's only three ways for this to go for the Arabs around here. Those who want to accept our rule can accept. Those who want to leave can leave. And those who want to fight can fight but we will defeat them. Every encounter between a soldier and the enemy must end with an unequivocal decision. It ends, it hurts, it's meaningful. You don't belong here yet. You shouldn't be here. Oh, really? So where am I supposed to go? Go back to London, where you don't have to follow the word of God, where you can roll your eyes and criticize the real Jews. You're a coward, Jacob. Moving here will never change that. Dad wouldn't have lasted here either, the fucking two of you. People like you, you're the kinds of Jews who have no business being here. Why? Because you're the ones who bow down to them, to the Arabs, the kind of Jews who are ground to dust under their feet. You live at home. You're not married. You don't work. You don't pay taxes. You have no moral or financial investment in the future of this country. You're a vulture. You circle around waiting for bad things to happen. And if nobody's hurt or dying, you starve. You even save them. You told me yourself that cunt who stabbed the soldier, they shot her. She was dying and you brought her back to life. She's just been released after serving only seven months and you will be responsible for when, not if, when, she kills again because she will. How can you look at yourself in the mirror? You don't know what it's like to lose a friend, a neighbor. You don't see the children who wake up in the morning with nightmares. I live that every day of my life. This is not an abstract enemy that I am facing. He throws stones at me on my drive home, and I have to live inside a settlement behind a fence because he's going to penetrate the settlement, climb into my window, and stab my fucking wife. You want to live with that? Then, then why do you want to live here, Ari? Because it's mine, Jakob. It is mine. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I, I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, all right, all right, all right. I needed to see her. Her. The girl. I had to see her. It was the town in the second valley. That's what I was told. That's all I knew. She lives in the town in the second valley. Then up ahead, a minaret covered in gaudy green lights, old stone buildings. This is the town where she lives. The car barely squeezed through the narrow streets. People were looking in my windows. They weren't used to people like me there. It's the blue metal door beside the butcher shop. That's what I was told. That's where she lives, the blue metal door beside the butcher shop. And then I saw it up ahead, the butcher shops, scrawny, graying, meat swinging in the sun, swarming with flies. That's it. That's where it is. And beside it, beside it, the blue metal door. Uh, pull over, get out. Is the car running? I don't know. Keys in the ignition. Come on, my gun. I put it in my belt. I know how to use it. I know how, of course, I know how to use it. Bang on the door, don't knock it. Bang it, bang again, do it again. Here they come, the whole town, stay calm. Stay calm, they're crowding around me. Bang on the door again, bang it again. It opens. It's her. It's her. I look at her standing in front of me, the girl. Shiny black hair, soft nose, full wet mouth. What do you want, she says. She doesn't even know who I am, but I can see her. I can see her. I fall on my knees, crying. I'm crying. She puts her hand on my shoulder. Are you all right? I'm weeping, shaking. The noise is coming out of me. I can't stop. A water bottle's pushed in my face. Knock it away. People start arguing with each other. Somebody pulls me up. Who's pulling me? Let go, let go of me. Some guy's pulling me to my car. Opens the door, bangs my hood, says, go, go. Get out of here, drive. Go on, go, go. Her hand on my shoulder. Are you all right? That's all that matters. Kindness. An act of kindness. He will instruct the angels on your behalf to guard you and all your way. They will carry you in their hands lest you hurt your foot on a rock. You will tread upon the lion and the viper. You will trample the lion. Hello? This is a prayer for the dead. I can hear you praying. The dead can't hear you. I can hear you. I am alive. I am still alive. Thank you. Okay. So you think my soul is hovering over my body on the cusp of judgment? Is that what this is about? Is that why I'm here? You think I lived a bad life? That my soul is caught in a thicket of thorns? That my soul is being pulled through a thicket of thorns? I lived a good life. I deserve an easy death. So that my soul's passage is like removing a hair out of a cup of milk with your index finger. And I want that one with the milk and the hair. The easy one. Give me that one. I want the easy one. I want that one.
right before I got here, I was in Jerusalem. It was right after I saw the girl. I went for a walk and I saw a white car ram into a bus stop full of people. It happened right in front of me, knocking over a fire hydrant. I ran over, felt the water gushing around my ankles, up my shins. The coldest water I have ever felt. The driver pulls his head from the steering wheel, stunned, his foot still pressing the gas. The engine revs. There are bodies lying in the bus stop. A woman stares at a large piece of metal tearing through her nylons. Someone starts screaming, my child, my child. Pinned between the white car's bumper and the bus stop is a pram, shivering under the force of the engine. I can hear a baby crying, see a leg sticking out of the pram. People are shouting the terrorist is still in the car. They start shooting, filling the car with holes close to the pram. I'm standing in front of the car, looking down at the baby in the pram. Bullets whistle out of the air. I'm staring at the baby. I freeze. I can't move. I don't help. I don't help the baby. They shoot again. The driver's head pops, spraying the windshield red. I feel heat. My chest burns. My head snaps. I fall back. Cold water takes my breath away. I feel pain. I'm lying on my back, but I'm standing. Yossi runs by me. I turn to see where he goes. He runs to me, lying on the ground. A bullet hole in my chest, my head. I've been shot. Yossi starts CPR. He touches my body. He's touching me. I hear everything people are saying. I try to speak to them, but they can't hear me, see me. I want my mother. I walk up her stairs. My legs are disappearing. I go through a wall. I'm in her kitchen. She's at the table, waiting for me to come home. I'm a ball of energy. I'm engulfed in light. 
There's energy all around me. Strands of energy flowing through us, through everything. I know this. I've known this energy for thousands of years. So, is this it? What happened to the baby? That was the conclusion of The Runner by Christopher Morris, featuring Gord Rand. The original theatrical production was directed and dramaturged by Daniel Brooks. The Runner was commissioned by Human Cargo Theatre. Its development was supported by the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Canada Council for the Arts. This episode's sound design and edit are by Gregory J. Sinclair, with additional design by Alexander McSween. Next up in our series is an interview with the playwright Christopher Morris. In the meantime, you can listen to many other shows available now on our feed. Stay well. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. And if you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing us. It helps us get our podcast out to more listeners. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me's associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expec Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.